And here's what I want to ask you. What is holding you back? What is the thing that's holding you back from going after your dreams and from finding meaningful work you love? Aren't you ready to wake up to the possibilities that are in your life and go after the things you've dreamt of? It's time for you to feel alive again, lit up, and for you to know that you're deserving and you are worthy for the future that's waiting for you. I want you to feel fulfilled and find abundance in your life. I think it's time and I'm ready to help you get started. Now I'm your host, Kristen, of Building a Life You Love. And each week on the show, we're going to help you figure out how you do go after your dreams and find work you love. Here we go. Let's get started. On today's episode, I think you are going to get so much out of it while I talk to my friend John about the need to have resilience, the importance of being consistent and persistent in our lives, having a hardiness to ourselves, and that we just have to keep choosing to show up, to show up in our business, show up in our relationships, and show up for ourselves, the importance of not letting those negative thoughts and fear and worry and uncertainty fill our heads and try to replace that with things that are going to help us grow and mature and that will serve us better. So I can't wait to dive into this conversation. I think it's so rich and meaningful, and I think you're going to get a lot out of it, especially especially at a time when so many people have had their ups and downs or their struggles with the pandemic and other things going on in the world and the isolation and the loneliness and everything else that so many of us have dealt with. So here we go. Hi, today on the show, I would like to welcome John Thurman to the show. He's a seasoned mental health professional, a work-life consultant, and author. Welcome, John. I was so glad to be here today, Kristen. I really enjoyed to be with you, and thanks for inviting me to come on today. Absolutely. Well, first, I just want to say John is such a encouraging person. He inspires people, both working with them and, you know, with couples and individuals and businesses, helping them sort of step through, you know, whatever it is, they're, the challenges they're, they're working on. He's written books and he also is a photographer and so many other things. And John, I would love it if you could start off by telling us a little bit about your backstory and your journey and what it is you're doing now. Sure. Well, thank you so much. Well, I'm the oldest of five. And so that means that I was a trial child for my parents. Uh, and being the oldest, you know, I was kind of a pleaser and kind of lived like this, which way's the wind blowing. And I have a baby brother who's 10 years younger than me. And I'm like, I can't believe what you got away with. I mean, I cannot believe what you got away with. Uh, I grew up in a really fun family. My, uh, I tell people it was kind of a, a blended family at the standpoint. My grew up in the South. My dad was Roman Catholic. My mom was Southern Baptist. And so we went to both churches. So I guess that made me a Catholic. That, that would pay off later on in my career with the Army when I was an Army chaplain. Uh, and be able to have that broad base of understanding. But I, I grew up in a home that really encouraged us to be adventurous, to try new things. And I remember mom and dad used to teach us that you can do whatever you set your mind to do as long as you honor God and honor people. Because at the end of the day, you know, you've got to live with yourself and with your faith. And uh, I had no idea as a kid what type of course that would send me on. And like a lot of folks growing up uh, in the in the 50s and 60s, um, I really struggled with school. I probably could have been diagnosed with ADHD, but we didn't do that back then. And so I was uh, easily distracted. Being a guy, bright, shiny objects could capture my attention very easily. And when I was uh, late, when I was like 15, 16, we had a program in school assembly from an organization called Outward Bound. 
And I went, oh, I need to check that out. Well, everybody flooded the guys and wanted the information on our, the North Carolina Outward Bound School. When I got there, there was no flyers left. But that summer, I was a only guy from our school that went to it. And, and as a 16-year-old, and now I'm 69, the lessons I learned that summer had really been brain, burned into my brain. The motto for the Outward Bound School was to serve, to strive, and not to yield. I had no idea then that 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 little motto would really be a life shaper for my view of resilience and and getting through tough times. And um, all through school, my undergraduate, my graduate training, I fell back on that so many times. And uh, in my career with the military, it mainly reservists and guardsmen that did some active duty time during the storm. But another shaper in that was I was a chaplain for a MASH unit. You may remember the program. We were not quite that. But it seemed that all my life, even beginning in my early life, I was involved in events uh, where I could bring calm to chaotic situations. You, you'll get a kick out of this, Chris. When I was a Boy Scout in a small town in Georgia, we had what we called a mass casualty event where the local fire department had to come and treat people and take them to the hospital. And uh, I was a 23-year-old pregnant female in my second trimester. And so uh, even then I realized, you know, that that this is a pretty cool thing. And so over my trajectory of my life, we've been married 49 years and we have been through some tough patches and that whole resiliency piece and, you don't quit. You just keep moving forward has been a theme. And then in my work as a therapist, as a parent, uh, I know when our kids were coming along, they would hit some rough patches. And I would tell them, you can quit anytime you want to. But if you quit because of peer pressure, who wins? And, and they said, Dad, that, that was like a little thought worm in our head. that If we quit doing something, it needs to be because we feel like that's the right thing to do, not because we're being pushed out. And so that theme of resilience has been there. And I remember we were out a few years ago, my wife and I were, and this young millennial couple said, well, how long have you guys been married? And I think we've been married like 45 years. And they went, oh, that's so cute. And the wife said, so what's the secret? And my wife's a real straight shooter. She said, well, here's the secret. John can quit on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I can quit on Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. And depending on what church services we go to, be it Saturday or Sunday, we tell Jesus we really messed it up this week. And he says, yeah, I know. But I've given you enough grace to get through another one. And so for us, we just haven't quit. And, you know, one of the things I've learned in life about any pursuit, whether it's your entrepreneurial dreams, it's promotions at work, becoming a better spouse, uh, growing in your faith, is that really the key is really being persistent and consistent. And really, I, I love Carolyn Dweck's work on mindset, is that having that open mindset that believes there is more than what I can see. As a matter of fact, a person with a closed mindset looks at the room and says, this is it. This is all I got to work with, men." And the person with the open mindset says, this is all I can see. But that does not define my universe. And a part of working on that resiliency model is to realize it's hard right now, but that doesn't mean it's going to be hard next week. And just stay in the course, 
dealing with this stuff and uh, pushing forward. And so looking back over my life over all these years, that has been a theme that has has been predominant. Uh, have I failed? Yeah. But, you know, I, my pastor one time asked me, he said, well, John, give me a definition of resilience. And I gave my definition. And he said, I'm going to make it simpler. Resilience says I fall down seven times, but I get up number eight, number nine, number 10. I said, that's, that's pretty good. Another thing I picked up along that journey that, that my wife and I both have had to really develop as we've honed that, that resiliency skill is another R you don't hear people talk about. And that's resistance. Uh, you know, in your own growth professionally and as you're developing this particular uh, aspect of your life, is it uh, some days you're like, man, I'm going after it. I'm a woman with my hair on fire and I'm going to do this. And other days you probably ask yourself, what am I doing? Am I crazy? Just, who am I kidding here? And uh, the resistance piece is that I'm going to have tough times. They are coming. And what a lot of people do, and I really see a trend in, in the younger elements of our culture, which are alarming. And as when hard times come, people melt. Mm-hmm. And uh, the part of resistance is that hard times are coming. I know they're coming. Oh, there are some actions I can take now to plan for those hard times. So when they come, I'm not completely rolled over. And this past 18 months, wow, what a learning lab with the COVID craziness, right? Absolutely. And uh, when it first came out, I was kind of like, well, we'll see how this goes. And then as I did research, and at that time I was working as an EAP consultant for the feds, and we began to see really early on that this could be really, really bad. And I saw a lot of people being really alarmed and fearful. And... I see that for what it was, but I begin to see two or three types of mindsets developing early on. And that was that, oh my gosh, this COVID thing is going to eat us up and spit us out. And I just refuse to go down that path because that's a dream stealer and a life stealer. And uh, other people were kind of waiting and waiting to see what's going to happen. And for some of them, they were able to stay flexible, malleable, and adaptable and flex and go, okay, this is my new life. And then there were other people, and I kind of put myself in this camp as like, we don't know what this is going to do, but we need to learn what we can do to stay flexible and try to stay a little bit ahead of it. And, you know, what my experience has been, if if I have a resilient mindset and I'm also developing that resistance model, and the scripture talks about from a spiritual battle standpoint, resist the enemy and he'll flee from you. If I can anticipate adversity, if I can anticipate tough times, then I can make adjustments to where I'll be able to absorb them. Uh, I know you like the water. I can just tell on your Facebook. (laughs) You like that. We know you go to the ocean and uh, you've got breakers coming in. If you're standing and facing the breaker, you learn to lean into it and to put your body weight in it so you can absorb that wave. Unfortunately, what a lot of people do is they're oblivious to the waves and they're wondering why when they see a wave coming, they go, oh, my gosh, what's that? And they get flattened out. Right. And so part of being resilient is, is realizing, I, and this is this mindset thing again, I have in me what I need to get through anything in life. Yeah. And as a person of faith, I've got the Holy Spirit, God in me to help me do that. And I think so many times with adversity, we get uh, 
Dr. Tom Barrett used this illustration. I love it. We get distracted by the bugs on the windshield. Yeah. And that diverts our energy. It causes our focus to, to fall away. And whenever our, we lose our focus, we tend to look internally and rarely does that get us any place happy. And so looking over my life, I've just been one of those guys who didn't quit. Matter of fact, this young, this young person, once again, asked about our marriage. It's pretty simple. We, we, we are actively, we're active learners. We've been in therapy five times. We've done marriage intensives. We read, uh, we do workshops, but we just don't quit. Like I, I had written down when you said that, you know, about the resilience in the marriage, you just keep choosing, right? Yes. You just, keep, whatever it is, it can be marriage, it can be business, it can be going after your dream, but you kept choosing to show up. You kept choosing yeah. to be there and then to do the work. You kept choosing to do the work, Yeah. you know? And so I think that is, it's, it is, it is persistence and being consistent and resiliency, but it's, it's really because every day you showed up or every week yes, that <laughs> you mindset. showed up and made a choice. Right. Yes. That's what you do in marriage, because like you said, it's going to be a roller coaster. It's going to be up and down and all yes. over. But you just have to keep choosing to show up and, you know, have that respect and other things for the other person, of course. But, you know, so, yeah, I think that's a really good point. And, you know, yeah, I think yeah. It's that we have to keep making that choice to show up. Do. I work with a lot of people that are authors yeah. because of the affiliation I have. And uh, I asked them, they'll say, well, I've got this idea for a book. I've got this idea for a book. I said, write it. And they're right. like, Right. What do you mean? And I, I had a 10th grade teacher that just used to tell me how horrible I was in grammar. Mm-hmm. And every time I'd write a paper in grad school, I was just like, I hear a voice. You know, you'll probably never get finished high school. Right. And so I started hanging around other authors. I went to some writers workshops and uh, got, got to meet some people. And you can appreciate this because you've done some writing. The first piece I ever had uh, was an article it was assignment by focus on the family mm-hmm. to write an article on adolescent hormones. I call it hormones. Yeah. And uh, I remember I talked about wanting to write a book, want to write a book, want to write a book. But how all this negativity in my brain about, well, you're a horrible writer. And what I am, I'm a great storyteller. I'm not a great writer. I now have an editor. <laughs> but uh, but what I learned was that I was letting that fear hold me back. And a, a dear, dear friend of mine who passed away a couple of years ago, Florence Littower, she was, a lot of people don't know her name, but if you Google her, she was one of the first Christian women speakers slash authors that she wrote about the personality stuff that really broke away from the pack. And she was really one of the first major Christian speakers uh, from a conservative background for women. And I remember one day I was at a writer's conference, she said, would you please write that first book so I can endorse it before I'm dead? Wow. And I'm like, okay, I guess I better do that. And you know what's so interesting, and you know this in your own life, when you begin to move towards a, a, a solid goal or objective and you get that mindset where you're going to do it, I believe God just starts to put people in your life yeah. to encourage you, to, to kind of help you come along. And that can be a friend. Be a neighbor, it can be a relative, it can be a, a life coach, a therapist, a pastor. It can be someone who kind of stretches you. And I know in my own life, and, and I am an ordained minister, so I'm, I'm unashamedly a Christ follower. Not the best, but I keep moving forward. And I believe that we need three types of people in our life to be resistant. To be, I'll do that again. 
I believe we need three types of people in our life to be resilient, thriving people. First, we need a Paul. That's someone who's been down the path a little bit longer than we have. And I'm just using a New Testament model here. That's someone we don't get to be with a lot. But when we do, we cherish that time. They set a pace. They stretch us. They challenge us. They kind of pull us along. And then we need a Timothy. And that's someone who's new. And for a lot of coaches and consultants and therapists, we're kind of bringing those people along. And that Timothy is someone who has a desire, they have a burn, they have a dream. They need some coaching, some encouragement. Someone who can love them, speak good things into them and challenge them. But you know what most of us need that we're kind of fearful of? A Barnabas. Mm -hmm. And a Barnabas is that person that loves us. They will walk alongside of us. They do not believe our press. And they will speak into our hearts. And I think for, for where you're a writer, a coach, a person just living life, pursuing your dreams. And in all the business models, my wife and I are serial entrepreneurs. We were talking about this a few days ago. And we have always had pace setters who are out there who are kind of where we wanted to be. We've always had people in our life that we were responsible for bringing along. We've also had those relationships, both as a couple and in our journeys of business development that they can speak truth into us and we're not hurt. You know, we're not, I'm offended. They, they speak it because they want to see the best in us. And so I really believe to have that optimal life. You've got to have those three relationships. And, you know, we talked a bit earlier about mindset. I've learned this as a therapist is that nothing stays in your head rent free. Right. Absolutely. And I have to constantly choose truth and life over the negative script in my life. And it's not always easy, but it can be right. done. Absolutely. I agree with that. Well, first of all, yeah, I, I love that you brought up the three types of relationships. And I often talk about that, you know, the need of the people we need to surround ourselves with. And I do love that you tied it to scripture because I don't always do that piece. But I just have a girlfriend who I told her about a program that she just joined, you know, that I just saw and said, hey, you, this might be of interest to you. She mm-hmm. loves fashion and beauty. It's just her thing. Like you can't take it out of her, right? It's in her veins. So she's right. about to launch this business and sell this stuff. But as soon as she made the decision and she stepped up and did it and she started telling people, she's literally said that people are coming out of the woodworks, mostly people she knows, but to support her endeavor. Like she said, oh, my one friend's going to help me with the photography and teach me. My other friend's going to, but it's because once you make the choice, like you said, and then you start vocalizing that desire People want to support you when you are passionate about it. And when you actually just say like, this is what I'm going to do. And, yeah. and they know they see the alignment, they see that energy and they want to help you. And like you said, of course, sometimes it's that we need to hear something else, you know, and so yeah. we have to have people that we trust around us. But I but love that. Again. that whole, it's that law of attraction thing. Yes. When you kind of set your mind to do something right. and you're, and you're developing a clear vision of what it is, people are drawn to that. And, Kristen, have you noticed a lot of people are just kind of going with the flow and they're kind of aimless? And I really do believe, and we get, when we set our heart and mind to do something, a business, a new venture, is that we set some things in motion because people are looking for people who've got clarity. They're looking for people who've got a vision, people who are are looking to make a difference. And I've seen it hundreds of times in my life. And uh, and you're, you're seeing it in your life. And as you develop your your space here. Right. I know people are being drawn to that because I've read some of the comments. 
is that uh, when we get clear on things, people are drawn to people that have clarity and a sense of purpose and are moving forward because so many people are kind of just wandering uh, and wondering where they're going to go. And so I think for all of us that are entrepreneurial in our heart and spirit is that as we gain clarity, people are drawn to that because people are looking for purpose and meaning in their life. And I think a a good point to to say there is that if somebody says, well, I'm just not sure. And I get it. I've been in that place. I think we all struggle with it, but I just remind them, we have to just make a choice and say like, I'm just going to try this thing, or I'm going to try a part of this thing. Because as they say, and a lot of people say this, but you really actually just have to step out and do it or do part of it before you start gaining full clarity. It doesn't just, oh, yeah. you know, you have, you, you have to try it because you can be in your head all day long or for a year about an idea, but until you actually do it, you're not going to have the clarity that you're looking for. And so I think that's important that is, to remind people. That is so true. You know, <clears throat> as an author, one of the things I learned off the bat is your first draft is awful. Yeah. It's just going to be awful. And so when my first draft is awful, I said, well, that's why you can do it for the second and the third and the fourth draft. And you're so right. The thing that holds people back is this whole fear thing. And the truth is, the only way you overcome fear is facing it. There's an old, uh, once again, an old story that says the enemy goes about like a roaring lion seeking to destroy. And uh, I can remember years ago. I struggle with insomnia sometimes. And I was watching Discovery Channel. You know, it's bad if it's two in the morning and you're watching the mating habits of lions in the Serengeti. And, but one of the things I learned is that lions are lazy. Mm-hmm. It's, unfortunately, it's kind of like it is in the world. The lion's just like, I can roar. Right. And the way they hunt is uh, they will get on one side of the pack of gazelles the pride, which are all the ladies, right. we're on the other side of the pride, I mean, of the other side of the gazelles. And then the lion will come out and go roar, roar. And out of fear, the gazelles run the opposite direction. And who do they run into? The pride. And so they all have lunch. Right. And so for me, whatever that fear is, that fear of a new idea, maybe that book, podcast, making a change in your life, you've got to square up and face it. Because it's not nearly as big and bad as you think it is. Well, the, actually, what you brought up earlier, I related to too about the writing, because when I was when I was pretty young, I don't know if I was twelve or thirteen or fourteen. You know, I definitely <clears> remember it. I, I still have it somewhere. You know, I wrote poems and that I never shared with anybody. Right? They just like were writing them, and I think I didn't even yeah. remember them until ten or twenty years later. But anyways, uh, so when I went to college, I remember thinking like, oh, I could never be an English major because like you, grammar is not my thing. I'm, I was the run on sentence queen. You know, I could write 10 pages in probably 15 minutes, but it needed some serious editing. But at the time we weren't told, well, it's okay. You can be a writer because there's people that edit and there's people that, you know, do all these different things for you. You don't have to be good at all the pieces, but I don't think we were told that way back then. And so I, I really thought like, oh, I could never be a writer. I don't think I was I was probably over 40 before I thought, hold on, I already do writing for my, you know, the site that I ran with my mom and all these things, but I was just doing articles or posts and things. And then I started realizing, well, one, the more I do it, I get better at it, right? I have less grammatical errors, but I also know that's not my forte, right? It's the words on paper. It's the ideas that I'm good at, not the, not the grammatical. It's the story. 
Yeah. And so I, then I realized, oh, right. I just, you just hire someone or if you're working with a company, you know, but it took me. So I guess the point there, which has to do with the fear, you know, overcoming our fear is most of us have had words set spoken to us that have held us back from doing something. And so for me, the reminder is to all of us, we have to sort of take inventory sometimes of those messages we keep repeating in our head, whether we've told ourselves or someone told it to us in our past. Mm-hmm. And if it's something that we keep feeling like it's, we want to move towards in our heart, but then this message keeps coming in, we have to get honest about, is that really a message that's true? Right. Like, is this really something that I can't do because of this message? And most of the time right. it's not at all the case. It's just this fear that's, you know, holding us back of criticism or, you know, rejection or I'm not good enough. Yeah. And that it is so prevalent. And, you know, and, and those messages came from people in authority, <clears throat> teachers, right. sometimes parents. And uh, one of your recent guests, a gal who had the challenges of melanoma, I love how she said she didn't hit her stride till she was like in her mid thirties. And for so many people, marriage, getting a family started, things like that, they don't hold us back. But part of the developmental process is that uh, I have these ideas, but I also have life. And as life begins to mature, as your kids grow, as your relationships mature, as you kind of finding your stride and, you know, particularly you as your boys are moving out into manhood in various stages. Uh, what if a lot of people find men and women find that, Oh, well, here's this stuff that's been kind of tucked back here. Maybe I should bring it forward. And in my research and my work as a therapist, the biggest thing that holds us back is that stuff in our head, those negative voices, you know, John Acuff, I think we both heard him in a meeting a few years ago. Uh, he and I've stayed in touch and his new book soundtracks is great. He's because it's those voices in our head that say, you can't do this. You can't do this. And, and, uh, and he talked about those soundtracks. The only way you deal with them is to turn the volume down. And uh, I love the story of the little engine that could, and our culture has become so inundated with excuses. Well, I'm a victim. I'm a this, I didn't have this opportunity. Kind of like the other two trains in the story. Well, I'm tired. Well, I'm this. And that little engine said, you have a mission for me. I think I can. I think I can. And where you're an author, a speaker, starting a new business. Part of that mindset shift is that I don't know all I need to know, but I know enough. And uh, I remember I was talking to uh, an author friend of mine the other day and I asked her, so what's your biggest challenge as a writer? She said, procrastination. I went, (laughs) and I said, you know what procrastination is? Don't you? She said, what? I says, if you're a procrastinator, you're a closet perfectionist. And she went, I am so busted. I said, but we all are. And it's the only way you overcome that is by doing it. Like you said, you just start writing. You realize you're a storyteller, not a grammarian. That's right. Absolutely. Oh, so, so true. So, John, let me ask you, you know, we sort of started talking or mentioned this a few minutes ago in the conversation but it has been a, a crazy whirlwind of a year and a half. We're not through the pandemic. There's a lot of turmoil around the world right now. It's stressful. It can cause anxiety too. What are a couple tips for people that we can all apply to our lives to try to, you know, get through this in, in, um, and on the other side of it and still live, you know, a pretty good life, you know? So what are some tips that people can um, apply to their lives in that area? That's a great question. <clears throat> First thing is live a day at a time. Live for the day. Don't get too torn up about tomorrow and next week. We what we what we've learned in research is that 
we get so distracted by what it could have should us. And in the recovery movement, I do a lot of people in various stages of recovery is that I've got to take a day at a time. And the day is the day I've had given to me. Uh, I want to plan for the future, but I've got to live today. And so, so many people get so stressed about what if, what if, what if, and all that does steer your time and your energy live today. You plan ahead, but with your planning, you stay flexible. So number one, live for the day. Number two, realize that I, and this is a core belief I have, is that I have all I need to be where I need to be today and in the future. I may not have all the keys to unlock it, but uh, when I went through this Outward Bound experience years ago, one of the things I heard over and over and over and over again is there's more in you than you know. And yet so many of us want to play safe, live close to, uh, to the box, is, and we miss the adventure of life because we just want to live in this little circle. And so the second I would, second thing I would do is say, give yourself permission to move forward. If life is a 10 million acre field, too many of us want to stand in the corner with our back rubbing against the barbed wire. And yet we've got 10 million acres to play in. And I think God says, you don't have to stay there, man. Here's right. the field. And yeah. so we have to see what those limiting beliefs are and then have the courage to lean into them. So many times those limiting beliefs are paper tigers. And if we'll get into reality and realize I'm letting myself hold me back. And when we talk about victimization, so many people want to stay a victim. And I tell people that is your choice. And if you stay there, you will be impotent in life. And that scares me in particular. Don't like that word. And I'm going, but you can choose to be a victim who's making a choice to be a survivor. And the survivor says, I got scars. I'm still kind of wobbly, but I'm moving forward. And for that survivor, the ultimate goal is to be an overcomer. And the overcomer is not the person who goes, look what I did. The overcomer's person says, listen, I've been through some stuff. You can get through this. And that overcomer is that person who out of their own pain and growth can come alongside others and be a source of inspiration encouragement and comfort. So number one, that forward focus. Number two, being in reality about what's holding you back. And number three, leaning into it. Absolutely. Well, and one of, one of my favorite authors uh, is Mark Patterson, you know, oh, um, yeah. I probably have all his books and, you know, I just love his writing style and just how he covers, you know, both faith oriented topics and ties in with, you know, the story. Yes. Right. But, you know, I love the stuff he talks about, you know, that he's basically like, you know, God never said that this was supposed to be safe, right? We're not supposed right. to play it safe. <laughs> You're supposed to step out into the adventure every day. And sometimes that means it's risky or it's dangerous yeah. or it feels, you know, like you're, it's uncertain. But yeah. so I always, I always love those visuals because I think it's so true. We think for some reason, especially if you're, you know, a Christian, like, oh, you know, but, but it's supposed to just be good. And it's, well, it never said that, right? It's never. Right. And so I think we get afraid of, like you said, we want to play it safe and we don't want to go and explore and discover and realize that all the good things are on the other side of us just going out. So true. You know? So true. You know, I was, <clears throat> I was speaking at a women's conference one time. It was a lot of fun. Uh, I, I love those opportunities being kind of the guy. And the gal before me spoke about, oh, the safety of the castle that God's put you in and all this stuff. And I didn't want to discredit her because it's a great, great message. I came up and I said, I'm an old soldier. Castles are great, but nothing happens in the castle. That's the safe right. place. I says, as an old soldier, you know, if the rock is a little bit bigger than you are, people are shooting at you, 
the rock will be just fine. Right. And so many times we have this kind of bunker mentality. And if we're going to really experience life and uh, be salt yeah. that Jesus talks about, that means we're going to be out in the public, out in the world with our new ideas. Right. And we're going to be in a growth mode and we're going to get knocked down, but we're going to get back up. And I believe as we deal with our struggles as entrepreneurs, as people of faith, or as people even considering faith, people don't look at the victories. They look at the journey that got us there. Right. Absolutely. And I tell people all the time as I wrap my podcast up, I'll go, this is the day the Lord has made, and I'll make a choice to rejoice and be glad in it. And it goes back, Chris, into that mindset that, that you bring up constantly on this podcast, that mindset of, you know, there's more there for me. Well, yeah. And I, and look, I get it. We, in our nature, we have to, some people are more, they just, their mindset is just like at the safer line. Actually, just last night, this is kind of a silly example, but I'm going to give it. I told my husband, Hey, I'm going to a concert with two of my girlfriends tonight. Now, remember when they asked me on Sunday, I was kind of like, I have, to, I actually have a lot to do this week. So I wanted to say no. But I was also like, it's probably the only concert. I haven't been to one in what, two years. It's outdoors. But I was like, actually with the stuff happening again, more mandates, it probably is the only one I'm going to go to. So I said, oh, I don't really feel like it, but I'd love to go see my girlfriends. So I said, I'm going to go. And my husband says to me last night, oh, I don't, you know, you're going to, and I said, well, we're now we're going to be on the lawn. So we're going to be spread out. And he goes, and I said, what, do you think we're going to be like rubbing up against other people? And I was like, and he's like, well, I don't know. Knowing you, you probably will be. And I said, oh my gosh. But my point is, I'm not afraid of it one bit, right? I'm yeah. just like, I'm going for the experience, which I'm always going for that. And yeah. then to see my girlfriends, right? I wasn't going to go if they weren't going. I just wanted to be with them. But, you know, my husband starts there and he has to then ease his way into different thinking, whereas I already start way down the road from him. But yeah, you know. You know, so he has to be brought along. I already start on this much further place. Yeah, than he's him, a little that's more his, risk that's averse. his starting point always, you know, <clears throat> and then he comes around. But, you know, so it's just kind of the point is some of us, yes, have to work harder to have like a little more comfortable, like get out of our feelings wherever we are, like play it safe. I have worked really hard for a long time to not live in that space. Right. And so I'm a little further than many people, you know, that I don't, that doesn't worry as me as much, but it's not that I don't have you know, worry and fear, like you said, it creeps in. And then I have to tell myself, move it away, move it out and put something else there. You know, I've always got a choice. That's right. And I can, I can, and like I said before, nothing stays your head rent free. If it's energy stealing, if it's a dream stealer, I need to ask myself, is it good for me to keep this around? And maybe I need to do some work on it. And, and, you know, reading, I mean, I believe all leaders are readers. I think the biggest things we can do is read, Find podcasts that are edifying, go to training, learning experiences, and, and anything we can do to counter negativity. Matter of fact, there was a research done at uh, some research done, well, I'm dating myself back in the mid 80s up at Duke, and they were looking at what does it take to overcome a negative issue. And what they discovered is that for every negative, it takes 10 positive inputs to bring that negative just to a neutral point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, and that means sometimes I have to be really uh, diligent about what I let in. Right. And in my work as a therapist, I've heard a lot of horror stories. But over the years, I've learned how to kind of compartmentalize, which can be a healthy thing. Right. And, uh, and not let that be a life sucker. And uh, no matter where people are in their journey, they've got to realize, okay, where are the areas that I can be exposed in? Where do I tend to overthink? Where do I tend to be catastrophic in my thinking? 
and how's that work? As Dr. Phil would say, and how's that working out for you? And uh, I believe that we have agency to do that. And for someone not to do that, this may sound kind of harsh. It's on them because there are so many resources. Uh, There was, I remember the story years ago. I remember as a kid going to county fairs. That's where the circus came to your town. And uh, I used to see these huge elephants chained up. And I remember reading this in in a book by Zig Ziglar, I think years ago. And he said, you know, that elephant doesn't move because as a baby, when it was weaned from its mama, there was a three foot metal stake put in the ground and a chain attached to that elephant's back leg. And it would pull at that, that it would pull at that chain to the point that it would have open sores. And when the elephant got older, it was still a three foot metal pole. And because of the pain of its childhood, the elephant would never res- resist that pull. Although the elephant could sneeze and pull it out of the ground. I think so many times we're like that elephant. We have these old things that hold us back. And the truth is we are literally one decision away from breaking free of that. And I'm glad that part of your vision for your program is to help people do that. Absolutely. And I think you're so right. I, first of all, I'm, you know, same thing, encourage everybody. You should be doing the things that fill you up every day. And like you said, whether it's scripture or podcasts, all the things, you know, yeah. books, but like, like I say often, you know, you either choose to to have growth, right. Continue to grow yeah. and learn. Like you kind of mentioned that your wife and you do earlier, or you're, you're stagnating and whatever yeah. it is, your relationship, your growth, you know, um, yes. in leadership, your growth and learning <clears throat> something new, but you know, and that's even what they say about as we get older, right. If you're not learning to do new things, you're not gaining skills, you're not using your mind in new ways those people tend to have more of a struggle with some of the memory stuff, you know? Yes. And so it's just something when you do, we need to exercise our brains. So I think it's really important. So Chris, let me ask you a question, a deep question. What? Do you have any fruit trees in your yard? I don't I know. I have herb garden and little garden, okay. no fruit trees in, in on my property. Okay. Well, you know, it's kind of interesting. I tell people, <clears throat> I saw some young students one time and they were really wanting to get ahead. And I said, let me, let me give you just a real simple experience guys. If you have a fruit tree in your backyard, peaches, apples, or whatever, they're either getting ripe, they're ripe, or they're rotting. And that's what you're doing with your brain. You're either growing and getting good input in it, you're getting stretched, maybe getting some ideas you don't agree with, but they're causing you to think and expand your horizons, or you're rotting. Choice is yours. Yeah. And that reminds me of one of the new books by Beth Moore. I think one of her new books is Chasing Vines or it's something like that. Mm -hmm. But it's basically when she had been on a trip in in Italy with her family. But she's talking about the the need for them to be pruned and all the things, right? And a lot of us don't want to do the pruning on ourselves. But if we don't. No, we don't. Because it hurts. we find that, right, we're we're kind of bleeding out or, or giving out energy in spaces that we shouldn't be anymore, you know? And so right. I think that's a really interesting visual too, you know, that it's not just to water the, you know, our mental soil and feed it, but then we also have to prune the things like you were saying earlier, the negative things or the things that aren't yeah. serving us, we have to get rid of them, you know, and then focus on putting in more of the good stuff, you know? So I think that's important. And but, that, you know, it all gets to choice. And, and there are just, there are just, unlike any time in history, there are so many different resources the person can do if they make the choice to have the courage to lean into it. You know, it's interesting. Um, 
when my daughter was little, she'd say, Dad, there's monsters outside my bedroom. And I'm like, no, they're not. And I go in and pray for her. And then one night I was laying down in her bed trying to get her perspective. And you know what? I was an idiot because the way the street light reflected on the shrubbery in front of the room, it looked like a pretty scary monster. Right. So I had to repent and go, I'm sorry, baby. I'm so sorry. Your dad is a clod. <laughs> Forgive me. She, it's okay, dad. But I had to get down to where she was to realize the shadow was what was scaring her. Right. And, and when we look, and I tell this to clients all the time, what's behind the shadow? A light source. And I believe as we face those shadows, those fearful areas, there's light. As a person of faith, I believe that light is, is the Lord's light shining a path for us. And I would just encourage your listeners that no matter what you're dealing with, whatever shadows are spooking you, try to look through it and see what's behind it. And, I, and my experience has been lots of times there's literally no pun intended here, enlightening truth, enlightening insight, things that can free your soul and free your mind to move forward. And it takes that next step. And the next step doesn't mean it's 10,000 steps. It means it's one or two. Right. Absolutely. And what we know is that what we know from a therapeutic standpoint is that if you just make a half a degree of incremental change in your life over the next month, it can have a positive, wonderful outcome. But if you stay where you are, laws of the universe said you're going to get worse. I think that kind of um, data is so interesting. You know how they've said that it's, it's been fascinating. So let me ask you this. The last thing I'd love to cover is we know with COVID it's given people time to slow down, to pause, or at least some people, some people have lost their jobs, but other people are just questioning the work they've been doing, you know, being so busy, overworked, whatever it is. And so we're seeing more people that hadn't in the past sort of Mm -hmm. say, hold on, is this really what I want? you know, for myself, mm-hmm. for my family. Is this where I want to live? Is this the work I want to do? So I'd love to talk about how do we encourage people that are maybe feeling like they're questioning those things, but they haven't really taken action yet. They're kind of still a little stuck or maybe they haven't made mm-hmm. the shift. So how do we encourage them to try to use innovation and creativity in the, you know, connections sure. or to move forward and kind of step into that? Great question. Uh, first thing, don't quit your day job. Right. Not yet. Uh, and then look at look at some things you like to do, uh, and and you and for so many people, particularly for you know, since you and I are both kind of busy thinkers, we could probably think of ten things we could be doing. Right. But what you want to look at, look at look at some things that you're good at naturally, because some of that your natural gifting, some of your affinities, and things like that. And then look around and see if anybody's doing what you're doing. Chances are you're going to find a bunch of people doing what you would like to do as a side gig. And I encourage people. Start it as a side gig. Don't, you know, don't plant your flag yet. Just be looking for where you can plant it. And so look at what are some of those affinities? What are some of those things that you like to do? And then begin to talk to some of your friends and say, hey, what do you think? When you begin to move towards that, still don't quit your day job. I tell people, you know, if you've got a new side gig you're doing, get it making some money. And, and most entrepreneurs have to deal with the money thing first. And then if it gets to growing, Enjoy spending some money on it before you quit your day job. Put about four months of your daytime salary away. And a lot of people go, ooh, ooh, ooh. And that's just a reality check because right. I've seen a lot of people that do a launch and they're underfunded or they haven't really thought it through. And six months later, they're crawling back into the workspace. Right. And so find your passion, 
with the internet, you can see who's doing something maybe like what you're doing. Uh, I believe in affiliation. So get around other people. Like when we were the tribe, we had all sorts of creatives there. And uh, the Old Testament says this iron sharpens iron. So one person sharpens another. So for budding entrepreneurs, look at what you'd like to do. Look at what the side gig might be. Look at what your startup costs, not just dollar, but time, emotion, equipment, stuff like that. And then put yourself on a plan to go, okay, I want to try this. Here's kind of my testing phase. And, you know, and you're doing ongoing that with your podcast. Here's my implementation stage. And then my, oh my gosh, I'm making money stage. And so have an idea what that side hustle is going to be. Test it, research it, see what other people are doing. I have found when you ask other people who are doing what you want to do, many of them are happy to share the journey with you and pull resources in and then build you a team that's going to have your back. So the biggest fear, you know, is the fear of rejection and the fear of failure and criticism. Just go ahead and deal with those and then find some people who will speak into your life. I do believe that as a result of COVID, we're going to see so many new things come out as a result of it. And I'd rather be someone moving forward, doing an occasional face plant right. than someone who's sitting back going, would have, could have, should have. Yeah. And I think what one thing that COVID taught us was we should be pursuing these other things and testing these things out because yeah. what we've learned is, I mean, we knew this before now, but more people right. are having are firsthand experiencing this. We need to have diversification, right? We need yes. to have multiple streams of income if possible over time, because that'll keep us so that if we do find that we have a full-time job or we have full-time consulting or whatever it is, if any of that dries up, we don't find ourselves in a really hard, bad spot. You know, like this, this week in my practice, Mm -hmm. I have self-pay clients. I have two contract Mm -hmm. clients. And then I just, I got notified. I'm going to be probably deploying to support FEMA for a few days to start their stress counseling program. People said, what do you mean? I said, well, in my typical week, I've got five different streams coming in, right. which is not what people who have a daytime job have. Right. And as entrepreneurs, you've got to have those multiple streams. Yeah. And, and for a lot of people coming out of the normal workforce, that's a big mind stretch for them. But you know what? You don't have to figure this all out today. Start with one and you add on one. Yeah, start with where you are and try and invite people to come alongside of you. And one thing that I think sometimes we forget is I think, and I've learned this more over time and I keep hearing it as well from other people, go towards what you're excited about and where you have enthusiasm. Because much like the clarity we talked about earlier, the more clear you get on your vision, on your desire to do a certain business or, you know, um, go after a certain area to help or whatever dreams, it is. Yeah. people are drawn to that but they're also drawn you know whether you work for someone else or whether you work for yourself they're drawn to that energy and that enthusiasm yeah. because it, it is magnetic right and so i think that's important to remind people don't just do it because you say oh i know that i've done advertising i can go work in advertising i mean if you're passionate about it keep doing that on the side but right. if that really doesn't excite you and light you up then what does you know go be creative be curious and try the thing. Like I know, obviously you do photography, right? And I love photography too, although I've not ever done it as a profession at this point, but I love going out. So some days I'll just schedule on the day to go on a little day trip and go take pictures because I, and see somewhere new because I love doing that, you know, but so that's something we should follow things that bring us joy or happiness or 
contentment. And, and lots of times that's where you can find that side gig. John, thank you so much for the conversation today. And how can people find you online and find out about all the things you have to offer? Sure. I, basically, you can find me a couple of places online. I'm, my counseling and consulting ministry and business is johntherman.info. Uh, my blogs right now, I'm going through transition or posted on johntherman.net. My podcast is actually, and you can, I'm on any place that does podcasting, is a Resilient Solutions Podcast, John Thurman's Resilient Solutions Podcast. That's where they can find me. And Christy, thank you so much for inviting me on. I mean, I love what you're doing. I love your energy. I love the hope you're bringing to people and you're helping people be intentional and focused about getting the best life they can have. Thanks again so much. Thank you so much. It's been wonderful. I appreciate all your knowledge and your ideas and insight. And thank you for what you do in the world and that you're helping so many people with uh, all the things you're able to bring to them. You're so welcome. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you. Oh my gosh. I think today was such a great conversation with John. We talked about so many things from remembering to be resilient to, you know, not letting fear stand in our way and so much other great stuff. And I want to share these words with you by Elizabeth Gilbert in her book, Big Magic About Fear. She says, it isn't always comfortable or easy carrying your fear around with you on your great and ambitious road trip. I mean, but it's always worth it because if you can't learn to travel comfortably alongside your fear, then you'll never be able to go anywhere interesting or do anything interesting. And that would be a pity because your life is short and rare and amazing and miraculous. And you want to do really interesting things and make really interesting things while you're still here. I know that's what you want for yourself because that's what I want for myself too. It's what we all want. And you have treasures hidden within you, extraordinary treasures. And so do I, and so does everyone around us. And bringing those treasures to light takes work and faith and focus and courage and hours of devotion. And the clock is ticking and the world is spinning. And we simply do not have time anymore to think so small. So I'll leave you with that and just encourage you. Don't let your fears stop you. Get comfortable with it. And please show up in the world and stop being so small. Let's do big things. I think we do need to know what we want in order to define life on our terms. And we have to be willing to break the past scripts so that we can move into better and more beautiful and amazing things. And I am so passionate about today's topic, about knowing what your gifts are and your passions, your background and your your talents, and helping you understand how those things can come together to step into work that you care about and go after your passion and just serve the world that I would love to help you. And I am happy to jump on a brief call with you to help you through that. This is, you know, this is a free call, but I literally just want to help you start getting those, you know, the the cylinders kind of moving and going so that you can step into this. So email me at Kristen at KristenFitch.com. That's all eyes. And just let me know in the subject. I would love to talk to you. And I cannot wait to connect with some of you and help you in this way. You can start going after your dreams today. And if you enjoyed the show, we'd love it if you'd subscribe and leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you have ideas for the show or guests that you'd like to recommend, I'd love to hear from you. So DM me on Instagram at Kristen Fitch. Or you can email me from the website. Thanks so much. And thanks again for listening in. Until next time, have a great week.